0: Hey, everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show.
1: And I'm Paige Wesley.
0: And with us, we have
1: Andrea Gazzetta. Yay!
0: And we have got a great episode for you this week. Uh, we go into the origin of Antifa. Nice. <laughs>
1: I intentionally did it like Blues Clues this time.
0: Mm, there you go. It's a great episode we kind of explore the thing that everyone's trying to talk about right now at least the in its first official capacity um and i think there's a lot of takeaways that you can take between when the story first happened and when it's happening now i think that there's a lot of parallels some people are gonna get upset about it but i got some stuff my son's gonna do later and you'll find out about it. <laughs> so um I want to turn it over right now to Andrea, who uh, is going to talk about something that she's sharing in the Facebook group.
2: Yeah. Um, I have a whole bunch of links and different resources. If you, want, if you are feeling overwhelmed and you want to help create actionable change and you're someone who's like, I don't know who to donate to. I don't know who to call. What can I do about this? Um, I have a whole Google document full of, Resources, and if you just pick one a day or one a week and kind of chip away at this, I think that there are real things that you can do to make a difference. That you know, maybe you can't protest, maybe you're afraid to go outside because of COVID. Still, I get it, it's hard, but there are other things you can do at home on your lunch break that don't take a lot of time but can make a difference. The other thing, too, is I think these protests might start winding down soon, you know? And I, I think a lot of people want and are ready for things to, quote unquote, go back to normal. And I think that we need to agree that the normal that we had before was not working for everyone. And to keep these issues at the forefront, it's important to continue to do actionable change and to do things that are helpful even after these protests are out of the news cycle and even after it's something that people are not in the streets about. You can still make a difference and you can still do things even just a little bit at a time to take a little bite out of racism.
0: Yeah, it's like a treat. You can have a little bite of fighting racism. Take,
1: take a bite out of racism as a treat. As a treat.
0: <laughs> Instead, uh, make racism like your vegetables and fucking just gobble that shit up just be like ah fuck you racism Um,
2: you can't just eat your vegetables one day a month and have that be your nutrition for the rest of the year armando i've told you this a hundred (laughs) times
0: tell that to broccoli day anyway (laughs) anyway um yes all of these things will be in our facebook group if you go to uh facebook and just search up Colt podcast you can find us um if you go to our website coldpodcastshow.com at the very bottom there's a link to the facebook group we're gonna try to share as many links there as possible hopefully they'll be you know pinned to the top so you can see them as soon as you go there
1: and i know armando andrea and i have all been sharing stuff in our instagram stories as well as the story for the show so keep posted there too
0: of course yeah um I think without any further ado, let's get into the show.
1: Dismantle the systems of
0: oppression. Dismantle the systems of oppression. Dismantle the systems of oppression. In oppression.
2: Oppression. <laughs> oppression. <laughs> Peace be with you as well. <laughs>
0: these are are our our opinions opinions.
1: thank you for tuning into cult podcast
0: i'm Paige wesley and i'm armando torres
1: and with us we have andrea cassetta yay Yay. and it's armando's week
0: yes hello uh (laughs) i'm here to tell you that there's a lot of stuff going on right now um and there's a lot of stuff that's been going on for a really long time and it needs to change as quickly as possible uh, and so it didn't feel right to kind of continue with uh, what we we're gonna, what we were planning on doing. So instead, we're going to take just a little bit of a break uh, to talk about a group that is probably on the forefront of a lot of our minds right now, Antifa.
1: And to be clear, we are as soon as this is over, going back to our regularly scheduled bullshit that we were working on before. Uh, where do you want to tell them what we'll be covering when we get back?
0: Yeah, we were going to start our two-part series on Timothy McVeigh.
1: Damn. Yeah. Because white supremacism stay fucking things up. So, yeah.
0: It sure does. It also, um, what's kind of weird is I think that both this episode and the series on Timothy McVeigh kind of explain how people uh get brainwashed by these like white supremacist groups because a lot of it is like when we hear it we're like okay well obviously that's fucking stupid right like everyone knows that that's stupid but there's people out there that uh uh are stupid and so <laughs> <laughs>
2: I fully <laughs> thought
1: you were going to be like, it's indoctrination, they love bomb just like a cult, and you're just yeah, like, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. nah, these fools just be stupid. <laughs> I've been on Facebook, I get it.
0: Yeah, it's They're- it's it's both. It's it, With Timothy McVeigh, it's definitely a lot more you, of you get to see how cult-like these groups are. Um, with today's episode, you get to just see how kind of stupid uh, white supremacy is in general. Um, so it's like a little fun mix
2: yes see I'm really excited to learn about Antifa because I always thought that it was uh, part of a Vietnamese cuisine hate organization
0: (laughs) because they're anti-pho yeah
2: which (laughs) hey I'm not here for it you know I like pho it's delicious it's delicious (laughs)
0: And so let's kind of get into it. Uh, before we do, I have some sources. We have uh, a lecture given by historian Mark Bray at the University of Dartmouth. Um, also, okay, two things. First of all, is no one talking about how Dartmouth is spelled dartmouth? And uh, it seems like it should be a college that can open its giant maw and shoot darts out like a thousand at a time.
1: I Well, it does just with like children who go into the finance sector.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that makes me feel better. So, um we have Mark Bray from the University of Dartmouth. Uh we also have Mark Bray's book Antifa the Anti-Fascist Handbook and if you can't tell by now Mark Bray is pretty much the leading English speaking expert on Antifa. Um, a lot of the other stuff about Antifa exists in other languages, and he was actually the first person to put a definitive history into English. Um, also, he shoots darts out of his mouth. So, <laughs> And then we have the article, The Lost History of Antifa, by Lauren Ballhorn uh, from Jacobin Magazine.
2: I just want to know what Mark Bray's dentist is up to if he's shooting teeth darts out of his mouth. At all times, <laughs> because... Your copay is a thousand dollars.
0: Well, the cool thing is, is that he can take a part-time job at that temple from Indiana Jones.
2: <laughs> His dentist is actually a weapons manufacturer.
1: It's, it's just that guy from Forged in Fire that's like, "It will kill."
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man! All right. So Paige, uh Andrea, I have a uh, kind of a question for you and I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Um so what would you say if I told you that Antifa is a violent group of communist thugs who were partly responsible for the Holocaust?
1: I'd say stop tweeting president Trump and do your job. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm President Trump. I'm sending the Dartmouth students out to fight the protesters. I got the idea from Indiana Jones. Yes, but it's my idea.
1: That I mean, it. I feel like he has probably had ideas from Indiana Jones. Before. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Be surprised if he was at like a state meeting in India and was like, "Where are the monkey brains?" <laughs> like that level of disconnection.
0: Yeah, he definitely got a few ideas from Indiana Jones. Uh, Nazism, for one.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's like those guys seemed cool. <laughs> I like the guy with the burned hand. <laughs> Can your faces melt? I don't think so. <laughs>
2: I love that Trump is just a, a supervillain. Like, yeah, I, mean, I yeah. love that his Fuck voice sounds is. like he every supervillain.
1: We're we're living in a timeline where a supervillain runs our country. <laughs>
2: Here's the thing: teeth are actually less lethal round. So if you shoot them as projectiles from your mouth, it's actually not a war crime. So Ugh, Jesus I can't Christ. do a Trump voice. I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> no, it's that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I I mean, it, it sounds like I'm reading Donald Trump's tweets or like listening to too much info wars, which, by the way, is any amount of info wars.
1: You're turning the arrows gay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> These arrows point both ways.
1: (laughs) Now, what you got to do is you got to get our tactical sunglasses and our protein powder. That's the only way that you're going to be free from the communist agenda and the globalists like that, (laughs) that level of craziness.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what it feels like. But I'm here to tell you, and I mean this without any sarcasm, that is 100 percent the truth. That is the actual honest to God truth. It's just that the truth is also extremely complicated.
2: Like every relationship on Facebook in two thousand and two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. If you go to the Truth's Facebook page, it says it's complicated. Right, <laughs> I'm working things out.
1: I used to be complicated with pop tarts and hot pockets. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's pretty simple page. They're it,
1: delicious. It and goes in, in my belly. <laughs> it goes
0: in your mouth, and you try to not shoot it with your mouth darts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated because the outside is all like lava hot, and the inside is a frozen. <laughs> puck of pizza
0: sauce but before we get into it i want to clarify some things okay so first of all when people talk about antifa which obviously is short for anti-fascist they think of it like an idea, mostly because all of us are anti-fascist. You know, like it, that term describes, in theory, how we all feel, or at least how we all should feel. Yeah, was
1: all of us except Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: he's like, "What fascist? That's my whole deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's my whole fan base." Uh, yeah, it, it, it's 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 actually not an ideology as much as it is a way to describe the method that antifa groups use so the closest synonym to antifa would actually be militant activism and just to clear this up militant does not necessarily mean guns soldiers or wars it just means that these people for whatever reason and again there's different reasons for each group they can't rely on the state the police or the courts to fight for them so they take matters into their own hands with direct action.
2: Or mouse.
0: <laughs> yeah, or mouse. <miles. laughs> So sometimes it's people who help themselves, like black Americans in the 1860s. When the Ku Klux Klan was running around killing black people, they tried to go to the government for help, and the government was like, ah, well, we don't even really think you're people. So. Also, that's my
1: neighbor, Jerry. Leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Exactly. So instead, they formed militias, rounded up clansmen, and kicked the shit out of them themselves. Good. And then sometimes it's people who help other people like the French activists in the 1890s who acted as bodyguards to the Jewish community. Essentially, there was all of these anti-Semitic leagues and they kept attacking Jewish people. And then when Jewish people would be on their way to court to testify, they would get beaten up or killed. So this group of French activists was like, nah, fuck that. I'm gonna be your bodyguard now. And so if you were in the Jewish community and you feared for your life, you could just call them and they would like... They were they were basically like Uber but with a gun. <laughs> so, you know, most Ubers in Los Angeles, really.
2: <laughs> yeah, right now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uber in the streets.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Activist in the sheets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um to cover the first official Antifa group, the one where all modern Antifa groups come from, we have to go to one of the worst places in history. Germany after World War I, which is tied with Fresno any time, really.
1: I think you mean Fres, yes. <laughs> also, militants. That's what it means to be an activist in the sheets. <laughs> playing with those
2: militants. I love it. I love it. I assume as soon as you said militants, all I can imagine is those robots from Austin Powers. Yes. (laughs) I assume that's what all militant activists are. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. So World War I was one of the worst things that could have ever happened to Germany. It's also, like most things in this episode, an extremely complicated issue. So before I kind of dive in to trying to explain all of this, I want everyone to remember that I'm the same kid who jumped off ladders trying to get a sponsor from Monster Energy, all right? Can we all agree (laughs) that I'm not, I don't have darts coming out of my mouth? I'm not very smart, all right?
1: Yeah, that was very foolish, because jumping off things is more of a Red Bull thing.
0: (laughs) fuck i'm so yeah if i could go back in time that's the one thing i'd fix
2: you'd just be like that's it (laughs) that's (laughs) it nothing else there's nothing else in history that you'd like to fix with a time machine i'd
0: I'd still miss the death of my grandfather i just want the ladders and the red (laughs) ball
2: the ladders and
1: i'm gonna call it fool talk
0: So, I think the best way to explain the situation is to think of Germany like a family. So, there's a papa, there's a mama, there's a set of twin daughters, and then there's, like, a really, really weird son. Like, I mean, one time you caught him watching execution videos for fun, kind of weird.
1: Weird family, incel son, got it. (laughs) Exactly,
0: exactly. But for the most part, everything is pretty chill at the old Germany household, you know, until one night when papa goes out drinking so papa's at the bar with all of his homies right and then all of a sudden some dude bumps into one of papa's friends and spills beer all over the friend's shirt so papa's friend gets in the dude's face like yo what the fuck you gotta buy me a new shirt this shit is fucking gucci man and the dude takes out his wallet and he opens it and he sees that he has no money so he's like ah fuck man i i can't buy you a new shirt but can i buy you like a new drink And then Papa is like a few loggers deep at this point because he's a fucking German. Papa! (laughs) So Papa starts getting in this dude's face like, yo, motherfucker, he said this shirt was Gucci, so you're going to buy him a new fucking shirt. But suddenly a bunch of this dude's friends walk up and they're like, yo, you need to fucking chill, all right?" Like... Half this bar is our friends. Half this bar is your friends. You need to back the fuck off or else this is going to get ugly. And so now Papa's thinking like, oh shit, man, stuff's about to pop off and I got to be the first one to throw a punch. So Papa checks out all of this dude's friends, picks the smallest one, and then fucking socks him in the face. And now all of the bar is fighting because like I said, half the bar belonged to the dude's friend group and the other half belonged to Papa's friend group. So everyone's fighting, but all of a sudden it just feels like everyone's beating the shit out of papa, right?
2: Real Donnie situation.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And right before somebody can throw the last punch, some dude in an American flag t-shirt runs in and smashes a bottle over papa's face and goes, "Wow, did you guys see me win that fight all by myself?" <laughs>
1: Oh, the history books did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So eventually a bouncer shows up and he's like, yo, what the fuck happened? And everyone in the bar points at Papa and the bouncer tells him that since he was the one who threw the first punch, now he has to pay for all of the damages to the bar. The only problem is Papa's friends were the one buying drinks all night because Papa's actually broke as fuck. So the bouncer drives Papa home and tells his whole family what happened. And now, since Papa ran out of money, it's their responsibility to pay for all the damage that Papa caused. Also, two of the dude's friends from earlier are going to start living in the garage just for good measure. They're just taking parts of the house, too. Yikes. Yeah. So in this story, Papa is the Kaiser, which is, you know, the German monarchy and the Kaiser's army and after a series of increasingly bad ideas the germans had been left with the bill for world war 1 and they were supposed to pay back the modern equivalent of 800 billion us dollars in reparations
1: Jeez. holy shit holy shit yeah. no one has that kind of money especially not america
0: No. (laughs) And to make matters worse, France and Prussia had just taken over the most important pieces of land in Germany's trade infrastructure. So there's no fucking way that they can even afford to pay anything back. It's like every time Papa goes to the garage to get in his car, they're like, no, this is our garage now. Get the fuck out. So it's like he can't even do anything to earn the money back anymore. Right and on top of that there's no more kaiser so no one's even in charge trying to solve any of these problems until 1918 when germany established democracy the only issue was that it seemed like most of germany thought the democracy was worse than the kaiser what they wanted was some good old-fashioned karl marx style socialism and socialism is an extremely loaded term Because right now in America, socialism is just a thing that your racist uncle yells about when he talks about Obama. You know, it doesn't it doesn't mean what it meant to them. In the simplest of terms, a socialist state government is one that gives the means of production back to the people. But just like democracy, it's a spectrum with two opposing sides, with liberals on the left and conservatives on the right. So to kind of explain it, I'm going to head back into the family metaphor. So with Papa at a commission, Mama Democracy steps up, and she's got to pay for all the damage that Papa caused while still somehow making enough money to keep the lights on. So she comes up with a plan. So she forces her kids into setting up a lemonade stand to earn some extra cash. Mama has all the cash, obviously, so she fronts the money. The kids do the work. But all of the money goes to Mama. In fact, no matter how well the lemonade stand does, the kids still get fucking jack shit. It doesn't matter. All of the money is going to Mama, and they don't even know what she's doing with that money when she has it. You know, They, they have no idea because they are basically just giving leasing her their time in exchange for a small amount of the money, which they quickly spend on candy and bullshit
2: so in the real life metaphor the germans are paying a bunch of taxes so all their wealth and all the money that they make and earn they're paying those taxes to pay what they owe the the people that defeated germany
0: yeah and a lot of them are starting to doubt whether or not that money is actually going to the other governments because again They have to pay back the modern equivalent of $800 U.S. dollars. Right. So, like, at a certain point, you're like, oh, we got to have put a dent in it, right? But it's so much money. We
2: haven't even paid off the interest yet, dude.
0: So, it basically keeps going like this until they get a visit from a neighborhood kid named Carl Marx. Carl tells them about a new way to run lemonade stands. If they grow the lemons themselves and run the stand together as a team then no one in the family will feel higher or lower than any of the others. Basically, they can all enjoy the profits together, and they'll get to see exactly where the money is going and get to make decisions together as a team because everyone has equal input. And they're making all of the stuff themselves, so the entire community owns the means of production.
1: The problem with that is that equal input part. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you've ever tried to get an entire group at disneyland to decide what ride to go on but
2: like the max is six
0: yeah (laughs) six
2: people (laughs) have you ever done a group project where you're the one doing the group project yeah Yeah. that's that's what's up yeah Yeah. It,
0: it, it, it in theory it can work in practice especially in government practice it has never actually succeeded right So, all of Mama's kids decide that this new way is clearly the best way to run a lemonade stand. Unfortunately, none of them can agree on the correct way to make it happen. All three of them fall somewhere on the socialist spectrum. On the left side, there's the twin daughters, social democracy and communism. Social democracy wants to pitch socialism slowly over time. So basically, they'll start by saying like, hey, mama, what if we like uh, what if we planted the seeds of lemons, you know, and then like uh, eventually we'd have uh, our own lemon tree. What if we, like, Googled, like, making a well, so, like, we didn't have to pay anyone for water, you know? Like, we could just have that. And slowly over time, they would turn democracy into socialism. Eventually, the lemonade stand will be completely socialist, and it will have followed Mama's rules to a T communism on the other hand didn't have time to wait because they were the ones doing a huge bulk of the physical labor and this shit was getting real old real fast so communism's whole deal is they want to immediately stop following mama's rules and just run the lemonade stand the way that they wanted both of them are on the left Communism is just slightly farther on the left than the Social Democrats are.
1: What about the kid watching execution videos?
0: So, <laughs> uh, on the opposite side of the spectrum completely is the twins' weird younger brother, the far right. He wasn't really paying attention when Karl Marx explained socialism because he's kind of going through his own shit right now. <laughs> Ever since Papa lost that fight at the bar, He's been coming up with all of these really, really weird conspiracy theories and trying to tell them to anyone in the house that will listen. And his favorite is called the stabbed in the back theory. Essentially, he believes that it wasn't Papa's fault that he got his ass kicked. It was actually a plot to take control of the family led by Mama. Before the big fight, she texted all of Papa's friends and told them not to help and just to immediately surrender. So the far right has a few ideas about the lemonade stand, but most of his ideas revolve around riding his bike to the bar and just trying to fight everyone there to return honor to his family's name. (laughs) Uh, So his sisters don't really pay him any mind, and this is kind of the simplest way I can think of to introduce the main players in our story. It's a little bit convoluted, but it is... uh, It's so complex that I'm hoping this helps anyone else understand.
2: This is really helpful for me.
0: After Germany became a democracy in 1918, the Social Democratic Party started taking office. They figured that they could turn democracy into socialism by playing democracy's game. However, the young working class members of the Social Democratic Party were really not fucking with that. So the same year, they split from the Social Democrats and formed the Communist Party of Germany. And the communists have two plans in mind. Plan A was to immediately overthrow democracy. And if that failed, then plan B was to make sure that those bootlicking Social Democrats didn't accomplish shit either. They're, you know, it's, it's very counterproductive, but really they're an idealistic bunch. Like, they understand that so democratic socialism in theory will get where they want to go but they're like nah fuck them they're not doing it right they can eat my ass i'm clearly the better twin i was born like two minutes later but that means that i'm younger and stronger but from the social democrats point of view they were finally starting to make some progress on fixing germany and all the communists wanted to do was argue about the right way to save germany it didn't matter if they used to be a team The communists were becoming a really big problem. So when the communists started holding protests, rallies, and even a handful of unsuccessful uprisings, the social democrats decided that it was time to end their little rebellion problem. So they tracked down and hired a far-right armed militia known as the Free Corps. So remember the family's really weird son, the far-right? well for the sake of the metaphor let's say that papa sticks around not only is most of his family talking shit about how bad he is at making decisions but now he doesn't even have anything to do because mama democracy is running the family and she won't let this asshole anywhere near the lemonade stand which is probably a good idea in an attempt to cheer papa up the far right starts telling him about all of his dumbass conspiracy theories. And no one else believes the far right, but to Papa, it all makes sense. If it hadn't been for Mama, then Papa would have never lost that fight. And that means, in Papa's mind, he never really lost at all. And if Papa never lost, then that meant that the fight was never really over. So, in the dead of night, Papa starts visiting everyone who is at the bar, at their own home, and starts beating the fucking shit out of them and stabbing their kids. And he spends most of his time trying to reclaim the garage by force. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's like, You took my fucking garage. That's where I drink beers and avoid my family. <laughs> So, in reality, Papa is both a metaphor for the Kaiser and the troops from World War I. When these troops got home to Germany, a lot of them came back angry, disillusioned, and fiercely nationalistic. They also were really into conspiracy theories. The biggest conspiracy theory that they believed in was called the stabbed-in-the-back myth which you know is basically what i explained a lot of germans decided that the democracy uh people back home or the politicians saw the war as an a, as a chance to seize power so they fucked over the kaiser and his army in order to make all of germany think that they were um basically inept now that's not really what happened it, it was kind of a way for these people to justify why their government would let them would let thousands and thousands of people die for nothing.
2: I, and I think that it's important to remember that if you look at World War One, the Kaiser's view on his own soldiers was sort of that they the loss of their lives was okay for the glory of germany
0: yeah exactly and and one huge thing to remember about these soldiers is how fiercely uh idealistic they are so when these when these world war one veterans from germany came back they decided to just never stop fighting especially since most of them believe that they never lost the war in the first place so they formed these armed militias called the free corps and started working to reclaim parts of germany while also fighting those who they saw as their biggest enemies the jews and the communists and here's two things that i want to point out about that sentence one when i wrote it i wrote out their biggest enemies the jews and my phone was like did you mean the news (laughs) and i was like i wish i did phone i really (laughs) i really wish i did we also, you, we, like when you hear conspiracy theory, you think of like a, a minority group, right? Like you think of like a small section of people who believe some batshit wild stuff and everyone kind of sees them as idiots. At Germany in this time, everyone believed this. This is not like a, a small group of people who kind of sort of believe this. The more that time goes on, the more that it becomes just a fact to these people and i mean specifically all of the army so like the entire army that fought in world war one for the most part starts believing in this idea a majority of their family when they get back hear about it and they're like oh fuck that does kind of make sense because now we're stuck in this shitty ass democracy and i never wanted this shit in the first place yeah that makes total sense yeah. jesus
1: i think a really a good like touchstone for it in America is 9-11 yeah where the day after 9-11 if you would ask people if it was an inside job they'd be like no but if you ask people today hey was 9-11 an inside job a lot of people are going to be like maybe not but there were some shitty things going on and I don't think we got the whole story like it's and almost everyone would say that to
0: you yeah exactly I mean that's that's fucking dead on that's a perfect example the worst that things got the better and and more believable that theory became to the german people.
2: Right because you you have german people who are under the kaiser their lives are pretty much fine. You know they they have they can own property, they can eat, you know they can raise their kids and then suddenly they go to war, the kaiser's gone yeah There's and this new democracy in their lives fucking suck.
0: And again, the the entire war um the, the reason I did I I used like a skirmish at a bar is because it really could have just been like a local fight. So it, it really was something that could have been completely avoided and now everything is fucked just because the person in charge made one bad decision and kept backing it up with stupid ideas.
2: Well, and part of the reason that Germany felt like it needed to go into World War One in the first place, too, is because all these other countries, France, Spain, Portugal, the UK, had created sort of like an imperialistic structure in other countries, mostly of black and brown people and they were taking they were getting all these resources from those places and then when germany wanted to do that they were kind of like well you're not as good as us or like you don't have as much money as us so they kind of were pushing germany to the side as a country already and that's where some of the conflict with these countries started
0: right and also remember that uh even after they lost they were like okay well at least we can still be like an empire right and everyone was like "Ha, nope And we're taking some of your most precious land. So it was like the opposite, you know, they, not only were they being kept out, but they were actively being weakened. Partially because, you know, reparations, people were like, you got to pay and you don't have money, so we're going to take your land. But I'm going to be honest with you a lot of it had to do with the fact that the UK and France and Russia really didn't want a strong Germany next to them. So they figured the more that they could break it up, the more that they wouldn't be able to attack again. And (laughs) boy, were they wrong. So the free corps which are you know these World War 1 veterans returning and fighting like they're just they're they're willing to fight anyone by the way and and they're they're not like When The equivalent that we have in America is all these fucking gun bozos, like, you know, the guys that wear, like, Hawaiian shirts, and they're like, this is the okay sign from high school, and now it means racism. (laughs) Hey, can I show you this meme about a frog that I stole? (laughs) Yeah. The worst. Exactly. Like, that's what we think of when we think of these people, and it's the same, like, archetype But these people are fucking soldiers, man. Like, I mean, I don't want to be on their side, but they are fucking good at what they do. You know what I mean? Like, they are constantly fighting. They have been for a while, and it's all they want to do. And at this point, they're pretty fucking good at it.
2: Well, the thing is, they're actual military veterans whereas a lot of the people in america that sort of do that showboating and have their guns out are people that have not actually served yeah stolen valor yeah yeah
0: Yeah, exactly like a lot of the bundy's inner circle when we fucking covered them never forget that never forget that the the other side's heroes are a bunch of fucking liars
2: these people are mercenaries essentially they're people that have seen war they're actual soldiers actual veterans whereas like on our side right now we have a lot of people that like to play military dress-up and that's different
0: yeah these guys are toppling entire towns and the other thing is that the german uh the german police and what was left of the german army which was not very much they are refusing to fight the free corps because of how idealistic german soldiers were and they were basically like i don't care if they're doing something illegal those guys are german soldiers we're german soldiers german soldiers don't shoot german soldiers the free corps did not work for money The only thing that the Free Corps wanted was to restore glory to the fatherland. So when the Social Democrats asked for their help, they, again, they didn't want money. The only thing that they asked for was more guns and more ammunition.
2: Yikes. Wow. Okay.
0: And immediately they started showing results. Just a few months after they were hired in 1919, at the failed uprising of Berlin, they were able to arrest two of the leaders of the Communist Party of Germany. And at the order of the Minister of Defense, both of them were executed.
2: Jeez. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it's pretty normal for people in power to not want to let go of that power to any exactly. other group.
0: Yeah, exactly. And again, they started on the same team. The communists and the social democrats started on the same team. But once they got power, like you said, they were like, we're not giving up this power. We're finally doing something. In their minds, they're like, we're finally doing something. And you guys want to argue over fucking semantics. With their leaders dead, the communists started to doubt their ability to overthrow democracy. But they knew that they could still accomplish plan B fuck over the social democrats (laughs) i
2: feel like i'm never gonna be able to overthrow democracy no communism believe in yourself stick to your dreams at the very least you can fuck up the social democrats real good yeah you could fuck over the social democrats
1: as a treat
0: (laughs) (laughs) so when the new leaders of the communist party took charge they decided that it was time to switch up the party's priorities If they were going to defeat the Social Democrats, they needed to adapt to the current political landscape of Germany. So they started pushing for new legislation instead of an outright new government. Essentially, in a rom-com, they wanted to be the guy that takes off the government's glasses and reveals that she's been beautiful this whole time.
2: And by beautiful, you mean communism? Yeah!
0: Ooh, girl, you got thick-ass socialism. Mm. Ever
2: ever since you took
1: down your ponytail, I just... I don't even know what to think. You're so hot.
0: Yeah, I just keep thinking about how I want to seize your means of reproduction. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's extra upsetting because i feel like this is my personal character arc like not only have i taken off my glasses but i've become more socialistic by the years so like i've blossomed into womanhood and also socialist ideas
0: yeah i was last night i was trying to explain (laughs) socialism and communism to andrea and her response was "Mm, mm, mm." so you mean the way it should be done And I was like, just be careful around microphones, sweetie. I love you.
2: <laughs> we are currently on microphones.
0: <laughs> so there there are pros and cons to this approach. You know, there's, there's pros and cons. The, the The pro is that if they stop taking direct action, if they stop trying to, you know, forcefully overthrow the government at every single second, then they might actually be able to get the support of the community, which means that they'll actually be able to change some shit. But it also meant that they would basically be doing just the same thing that the Social Democrats did. And a bunch of the radical members of the Communist Party were like, bro, that's what our sister did. And we fucking hate them. We're literally trying to kill them right now. Yeah, exactly. Fuck her. We're the the strong sister. We were supposed to be triplets. And then I ate the other one in the womb. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? I've really fleshed out this story too much. She,
2: is that explain why she has a second face when she takes down her ponytail?
0: No, that's because she's Voldemort. <laughs> In fact, things were getting so bad that they couldn't even decide on how they were winning stuff. Because they were winning. In 1920, they were actually able to get the free Corps disbanded. But neither side could agree on how they did it. On one side... You have the political activists and these are the people that are like, look, because I took political action, I was able to outlaw the fucking free cores. On the other side, you have the direct action people. And the direct action people are like, fuck your politics bullshit. It wasn't your politics that stopped the free corps. It was the fact that we were in the streets protesting every day, shutting down roads, shutting down civil services, etc., until they realized that this is something we need to do.
2: We're we kind of are seeing this now. Is for years, people have been trying to put bills into action. They've been writing Congress. It's not doing anything. Seven days of civil unrest in every major city in America and all across the world. And now, you know, Los Angeles cut its police budget. And a lot of other cities are enacting rules to reform the police system. So,
0: yeah, the problem is, is that, like I said, they're on the same team. But they can't even agree on the things that they're doing right. Right. And they
2: should be, those both, those efforts need to kind of coordinate to, to enact change. Like you exactly. need to kind of have both. Yeah. For democracy, or for change to happen. You exactly. have to have some civil unrest, but you also have to have people behind the scenes writing laws and having ideas that can actually be actionable for society. So you sort of need both sides to work together, so it's kind of silly that they're fighting or arguing about which one's better.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And and this is the second time that they've argued about this already. You know, they've right. splintered off once, they don't want to splinter off again. So essentially what happens is in nineteen twenty-four they come up with a compromise.
1: They're gonna have action in the streets and legislation in the she.
2: bam.
1: Hey. Hey. Hey.
2: Sometimes when a bill wants to create actionable change, it falls in love with a protester, <laughs> uh-huh. And they have one night of bliss. Okay. And then a bill becomes a law. <laughs>
0: Yep, there you go.
2: I learned that from (laughs)
1: Schoolhouse Rock.
0: I learned (laughs) that from Schoolhouse Cock.
1: (laughs) The porn version?
0: Yeah. I'm just
1: a bill and this is my stepsister.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite childhood movie. So, So the compromise is really simple. The Communist Party is going to kind of operate with two different sides. The two sides are the political activists who are the people running for office, trying to put bills in, shit like that. You know, schoolhouse cock shit. And then... (laughs) And then on the other side, you have the red front, the the direct action people. And this is like your street team. You know, they're in the fucking streets. They're handing out flyers. They're holding rallies.
1: They're the bang bros instead of schoolhouse cock.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're You know, yeah. they're, they're just get they're out there getting shit done and trying to get the word out about how fucking great communism is.
1: They're picking up communism in a van, offering it $300 to help pay off its student (laughs) loans or a nursing school or whatever, and they're getting that shit done.
0: Yeah, exactly. They're also getting a really weird angle where all you see is communism's butt and some dude's balls. It's very weird.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait till Armando teaches history to children. (laughs)
0: Did you guys know I was going to be a history teacher?
2: That's hilarious. So you've
0: got
1: balls, right? But then a butt.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The balls are full of pee. Really, the the best way to explain the compromise is that you do have balls. And in one ball, you have political action. And this... (laughs) This this is the cum. The cum will over time create more political action that will change things. On the other ball, you have the pee ball. And this is the direct action people. Because if you piss on shit, it's gonna look really fucking bad and people are gonna wanna change it. Right. So they're two sides of the same balls, but they're both working for the same thing.
2: And it takes both to make a baby somehow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actionable change. Which
0: is communism. <laughs> ah the
1: testicles of
0: politics yeah i can't tell if this is smart or if this is like that time i made a iambic pentameter fart joke (laughs) that was pretty
1: great i remember that one
0: so okay all right the political activists are doing a pretty good job of enacting some actual change and the direct action people now uh, they feel like they have a lot to prove, especially because they like barely got permission to do the stuff that they wanted to do. They decided that what they really needed was to figure out how to use direct action to to succeed, which means that they had to basically like <laughs> do what I did. They have to take a master class on the thing they like from somebody who's actually succeeded at doing it. And in Germany, there were very few people who had actually succeeded using direct action, but they knew of one person. So they decided to partner up with the leader of a new far-right militia, Austrian ex-con, Adolf Hitler.
2: What? What? Is that the weird brother watching weird videos at the
0: corner? Exactly. Yeah. If we're going back to the family, this is fucking uh, Jerky McJerkofferson on the right side of the lemonade spectrum or uh, the Lennonade spectrum. (laughs) I feel bad about that one. That's the first time I made a joke and it was immediately like, oh, you fucking hack. You suck. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, going back to the family metaphor, like you said, that's the fucking weird kid. But he is the only person doing what the communists wanted to do the nazis really put the militant in militant activism remember before when i said militant activism doesn't always mean uh guns wars and violence to the nazis it super meant guns wars and violence like almost exclusively So the Nazis were well-armed, well-trained, and willing to do whatever it took to promote what they were calling National Socialism. Technically, National Socialism is on the farthest right you could go on the socialism spectrum. But this is, like, so far to the right that it's almost completely off the map. And the reason behind that is because... They didn't exactly believe in socialism as much as they believed in what they called Nazism. Europeans had been colonizing the outside world for generations. It didn't matter if people were already living in these other places because in the minds of the Europeans, they were obviously superior. But according to some fake science and theosophy bullshit, Hitler had determined that the fictional Aryan race he was a member of was the highest of the most high, which justifies his plan to colonize all of Europe on behalf of Germany. And as stupid as this sounds, the Nazis were actually successful at doing what the Communist Party couldn't. They were using direct action to sway entire towns into supporting them, like in Nuremberg, where it didn't matter who was physically in office the entire town was loyal to hitler and the nazi party which is the first time i've ever heard about an entire town having the same side piece where they're like texting hitler they're like hey come over my legal representative is at work right now
1: You up? <laughs> Goat got your testicle? <laughs> Where my leader hose at?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's better than anything you could have said. Let's move on. I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> so essentially, the Nazis were seizing power without even having to run in elections. But that didn't mean that they weren't trying to run in elections. And each election season, Hitler and his Nazi pals were pulling higher and higher. So to the Communist Party of Germany, the Nazis look like a perfect example of how to fuse direct action and political activism Together and form one cohesive party,
2: like a power ranger,
0: yeah, yeah. Like a power ranger made out like of a
2: white power ranger, f- <laughs> like a white power ranger. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: And also, it's worth mentioning that the communists figured that, you know, the Nazis want to destroy the Social Democrats, right? The communists want to destroy social Democrats. If they work together, they can both destroy the social Democrats faster. And when it's all over, they figured that the Nazis followers would basically look at communism and go like, oh, well, that makes so much more sense. That's so much more sensible. Let's just do that.
2: Yeah, they didn't really take the Nazis seriously because they're like, they're such a fringe group and their ideas are so ridiculous. We'll form a coalition with them to get rid of our enemies. But then afterwards, it's like no one's gonna follow this guy right
0: because the nazis were able to like i said do both political action and direct action both sides of the communist party was like okay yeah let's work with them you know if if this is what it takes to get what we want then this is what it takes and we're gonna fucking do it so the nazis showed the red front everything that they knew about overthrowing democracy how to plant the seeds for a successful uprising how to make the choicest propaganda oh and especially how to fight like soldiers basically just imagine the weirdest training montage in world history where a bunch of communists learn to fight like nazis gonna die now (laughs) we are communists running up these stairs i'm learning from a nazi but it's okay because the ends justify the means <laughs> there you go
2: thank you except for instead of just running it's also them like explaining how to use different fonts yeah
0: yeah yeah (laughs) you got to remember that there's some (laughs) adobe illustrator so it's like drag this here make this bigger
1: (laughs) making flyers now (laughs)
0: And by 1931, the Red Front had become a well-oiled war machine, while the Communist Party was being seen as the second biggest political party in Germany, right behind the Social Democrats. It was even starting to look like maybe the Communist Party could switch back to Plan A, which was just overthrowing all of democracy. Like, we don't have to just fuck over Social Democrats, they could actually go back to getting exactly what they wanted.
2: We could fuck over everybody. (laughs) We could fuck over the Social Democrats as a treat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that was until the Nazis convinced the Red Front to push it one step farther. Hitler's militia helped the Red Front organize an assassination on two Berlin police chiefs. However, only members of the Red Front were present for the actual killing, and the German public was terrified this is one of the I mean the scariest things that you could ever imagine police chiefs are supposed to be like you know the highest of the highest of being safe like you imagine that no one can fuck with them they're the chief of police and two of them were murdered at the exact same time
2: and the red front was caught red front handed
0: Oh, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> And so the political activists in the Communist Party were fucking furious. They were so close to finally getting exactly what they wanted. And now these fucking Red Front dipshits went and messed it all up. Now everything was completely fucked. And the ironic part is we're basically back to where we started in the beginning. And that was all thanks to Adolf Hitler's master plan to seize power. And this plan It goes back to 1920 when the Free Corps were disbanded, and not wanting to, you know, call it quits because that's kind of their whole character trait, many of the former mercenaries joined the Nazi party and built up the group's militia. And at this point, the communists were proving to be a real threat to the government's authority, and the weaker the government looked, the more people were interested in hearing what Hitler had to say. So, when the Red Front asked him for help, it was like a gift from God. Hitler had the former Free Corps train the Red Front like soldiers. That means that they learned how to fight the Social Democrats from the same people who had been murdering them on behalf of the Social Democrats.
2: It's a crazy plot twist. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: And the Free Corps finally got their revenge by pushing the communists to kill those Berlin police captains. They had unknowingly been forced to dig their own grave by priming the people of Germany for the rise of the Nazi regime. Because Hitler had two of his biggest opponents at each other's throats. The only two people who could stop the Nazi party were the Social Democrats or the communists. They were the only two parties big enough to stop him. And despite being a time of peace, the Social Democrats and the Communist Party left combat zones anywhere they went. And much like NBC, Hitler promised a ton of law and order. It was basically, <laughs> like, it was basically like his main selling point. Also, ironically, you could describe the Nazis as dick wolves. So, you yeah, know. I was gonna say, it
1: was like wolves are kind of like a German thing. <laughs>
0: So Hitler painted the Social Democrats as a useless government and the communists as violent thugs who were unfit to take their place. To really break it down in the simplest of terms, Adolf Hitler told everyone that to make Germany great again, he needed to drain the swamp and put all of his little buddies in charge of the country. He also probably wanted to get a couple rounds of golf in at the Mar-a-Lago, too. This
2: sounds really familiar. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's uncomfortably familiar.
0: So his call for change attracted a lot of conservatives and business owners. The support he got from far-right militias attracted a bunch of young college dudes who who basically thought, like, if I fought in World War One I, I would have won. And this is my chance to fight back. Ugh. And then his racism just attracted a bunch of other shitty racists, too. Like, uh, you can't give... As it does. Yeah, you, you can't forget the fact that a lot of his shit was just built from people being anti-Semitic, which was popular at the time. That's not an excuse, by the way. It's just like, Jesus Christ, these people are so fucking stupid.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I think at this time, it's so easy to prey upon people's belief that someone has to be responsible for the economic failure of this country.
0: So the communists' biggest mistake was underestimating Adolf Hitler and the Nazi Party. Because they figured that no one really took him seriously. And once it came time to pick a new government people would pick communism. But they were fucking wrong. Hitler's energetic charisma and meddling in the left's affairs made it appear that there was no other alternatives. So in January of 1933, the Nazi party was able to use this momentum to convince the president of Germany to appoint Adolf Hitler as the chancellor of Germany. And the communist party knew that they had to change their priorities again, but before they could a lone member of the Red Front decided to take matters into his own hands. A few weeks after Hitler was appointed the Chancellor of Germany, Marius von der Lubbe set fire to the Reichstag building in protest of the Nazi party. And it couldn't have been any better if Hitler planned it himself. The fire was exactly what he needed to convince the people of Germany that a violent communist uprising was coming for them. So he passed the Reichstag fire decree, which allowed him to arrest anyone who opposed the Nazi party. And he, he didn't even have to pass it through any form of like assembly, Congress, the president. If he thought that you were trying to fuck him over, he could just have you arrested and killed.
2: So he let me make this just super clear. So he trained these people on how to violently dismantle the government Mm -hmm. and then when they violently tried to dismantle his power he punished them and used their violence as justification for taking even more power and removing checks and balances to his
0: power oh absolutely and it doesn't stop there when the communists fought back using tactics that like you said they learned from the nazis They only proved that Hitler was right, so a month later, Hitler put forth the Enabling Act of 1933. In order to end impending uprisings, he needed complete and total control over Germany with no questions asked and no oversight. On March 23, 1933, armed members of Hitler's militia stormed the assembly room and surrounded every non-Nazi politician, and the message was clear. If you're not pro-nazi you're fucking dead and the only person the only group that voted to oppose the enabling act was the social democratic party and just like that adolf hitler had pulled off one of the greatest cons in human history he and his nazi party had created a legal dictatorship over germany and his first order of business was to dispose of all of his loose ends the leaders of the Social Democratic Party were executed in the street. Any suspected communist was to be arrested. Uh, in 1934, he even planned the organized assassination of every remaining Free Corps leader, just to make sure that the Free Corps, who are now part of his new army of bodyguards called the ss would remain loyal to him to
2: him and not to their commanders who had initiated that loyalty
0: yeah and the point the part of that that's so fucking crazy is remember how i described the free corps the free corps and the german army refused to fight each other because german soldiers don't shoot at german soldiers but hitler had convinced his new ss To kill all of their former friends and stay loyal to only him. That is the absolute power that this guy has.
2: And that's a difference of what, like 20 years, 10, no less, like 15 years or something. I mean, this is all
0: taking place in a matter of like 15 years. Yeah, Yeah. just about, about 12 years or so. (sighs) The direct action communists in the Red Front had finally gotten what they wanted. Democracy was gone and the Social Democrats were finished, and it only cost them everything that they believed in. While Hitler was in power, the Social Democrats and the Communist Party had only one plan in mind, to stay alive. Officially, each party blamed the other party for allowing the Nazis to take control, but unofficially, they knew they had to work together if they were going to escape Hitler's SS. And so as far as Hitler was concerned, his enemies were on the run and no one could stop him now. But in June of 1941, everything changed. Despite having an alliance with the Soviet Union, it was becoming clear that this continent wasn't big enough for the two of them. And the Soviets had a massive amount of manpower and farmland on their side. All the Germans had was beer, bratwurst, and fucking anger issues, really. That's, I mean, that's like the Germans' main export. It wasn't going to be easy, but Hitler thought that if he could launch a surprise attack and catch the Soviets off guard, he might be able to win. Unfortunately, his biggest mistake, besides the racism, violence, and thinking his art was any good, was underestimating the Soviet Union. (laughs) communists around the world saw the soviet union as the motherland of communism if hitler toppled the soviet union there was a good chance that communism might never return so members of the social democratic party the communist party of germany and the red front all came out of hiding and they agreed to put their political differences aside for the sake of fighting the greatest form of fascism the world had ever seen the nazi party If they could finally stay united, maybe they could help end the Nazi regime from the inside. And so they called their new group Anti-Fascist Action, or Antifa for short. Fighting back wasn't going to be easy. The majority of the German public was kept in the dark, And stood behind the Nazis. I mean, no one really, truly knew at the time within Germany what the Nazis were really fucking doing.
2: Up to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because they wanted the Nazis obviously want everyone in their homeland to think like, yeah, everything's cool. You know, there's no reason to be alarmed right now.
2: Right. And even as people's neighbors and friends start to go missing, the way that the propaganda machine is making your friends and neighbors out to be your enemies because they are Germany's enemies means that people are not raising their voices when people start to go missing because they think that those people did something wrong
0: so yeah all of this is to say that most of the german public was kept in the dark and stood behind the nazis and the youth the german youth which is usually the driving force behind rebellions you know young people are the ones that are in the streets fucking protesting and shit they had been so brainwashed by 10 plus years of propaganda that they didn't want to help either. So basically, like, the one group of people you can always rely on to be fucking rebel punks were like, no, I want to get an undercut and wear shorts that are too short. That's all I want.
1: I think if you saw the movie Jojo Rabbit, I think it does a great job of illustrating some of this where they made it so attractive to be a Hitler youth and to be a part of almost like this tiny army that they were willing to ignore clear red flags
2: and their children, their literal children. Well, all their flags were red because it was the Nazi flag, so... Right, right, right,
0: right. Almost all of Antifa's members were the aging former members of the Social Democratic Party, the Communist Party, and the Red Front. But luckily... They had learned a thing or two about how to plant the seeds for an uprising how to make some pretty good propaganda and how to fight like soldiers so they basically had a division of labor within their group the red front used their secret activist networks to quietly maneuver around germany and scope out what the nazis were up to they were able to find out stuff like where their troops were going where their shipments came in but most importantly They found out what was really happening at the nazi concentration camps so they handed this information along with some actual photographic evidence to the communist party who was able to create pamphlets posters and postcards that explained the true horrors of the nazi party and they worked hard to spread these items all over Nazi strongholds to try to turn citizens against their own government. And the former Social Democratic Party, they used their old political contacts to get this insider information to both the Soviet Union and to the United States of America. Supposedly, some of the first real info that the Allies got on the Nazis' crimes came from the work of the anti-fascist action. The group now realized that there was an even more important goal than their political beliefs, helping those that needed help and that could not fight back for themselves. I mean, they had basically like uncovered one of the worst things, the worst things that I think a human being has ever been a part of. You know what I mean? They uncovered
2: genocide. It's
0: one of the worst things that's ever happened in human history. And so they were like, oh, yeah, you know what? Now that you think about it, maybe our politics do take a step back because maybe we should stop this. But as soon as Hitler found out what they were doing, he was pissed. And his first official action was to label Antifa as a terrorist organization.
1: Where have I heard that before? Crazy.
0: Again, just to say it slowly, Adolf Hitler publicly decreed that antifa was a terrorist organization and he did this in one of the most illegal ways possible in terms of like a normal government which is basically just that he said it like he posted it like if this was modern times maybe it would be like a tweet you know that he did (laughs) so it was it was just the way that he went about it was completely fucking disgusting. Secondly, he ordered his new SS troops to round up anyone that they suspected of being a member of Antifa. And the SS proved, once again, to be extremely effective at arresting protesters. So soon, members of Antifa found themselves in the same concentration camps that they had tried to warn everyone else about. And now they all had to ask themselves a very important question. Their political beliefs were a choice. If they didn't want to get killed or arrested, they could just pledge their loyalty to the Nazi party. But that meant that millions of Jewish people, gays, and other minority groups, people who couldn't choose to opt out of who they are, would still be in danger. So the question is, is it worth putting yourself in danger to help oppressed people? And as far as questions go, I think this is one of the hardest ones that anyone can ask themselves. I mean, it's easy to claim that you'd be down for your shit, but would you actually practice it if you could potentially get sent to a Nazi death camp? It, it's like, of course there's one answer, and it's the obvious answer, but that's really hard to say when I don't have to potentially get sent to a fucking Nazi death camp.
2: Well, like, I think that it's difficult when there's violence happening Mm -hmm. it's easy to say this violence is wrong but it's difficult to say I am willing to be a victim of this violence to stand up for my belief that this violence is wrong I am willing to potentially be a statistic and to potentially die to say that this violence is wrong and I think that is something that we see again and again with every type of protest
0: Yeah, of course, and you see it here. I mean, some of Antifa's members wanted to just return to fighting for communism. Others didn't want to fight at all. But ultimately, they decided to learn from their mistakes in 1933. Their disagreements led to the Nazis taking power. That power allowed the Nazis to create a systemic plan for destroying minority groups. And now, it was time to solve the problems that they had helped create. So they would go town to town, educating people on Hitler's crimes, setting up new autonomous resistance groups, and even sometimes having full-blown gunfights with the SS. And by using their finely honed skills, which, again, ironically, they learned from the Nazis, they were even able to liberate some towns like Wuppertal before the Allies even got there. Holy shit. And on April 30th, 1945, Antifa finally won. As the Soviet Union and the Allies finished the last battles of the war and Germany lay in complete civil unrest, Adolf Hitler decided to hide in his bunker like a fucking coward like any terrible world leader would do at a time of of civil unrest. And as his opponents approached, he took his own life by pointing a pistol at his head and pulling the trigger.
1: Or escaped to Argentina and lived out the rest of his life in anonymity. Go ahead.
0: Sure, yeah. The road ahead was going to be rough. Rebuilding Germany seemed like a damn near impossible task. But at least the members of Antifa knew what had to be done. In the face of evil, you must unite and fight back. And that brings us to an end on our episode of the original Antifa group.
2: Holy shit, that was informative as fuck and so relevant. (laughs) I'm so happy you covered this.
0: If you want to know what your takeaway should be from this episode. A lot of it seems to be around the fact that like, we're not in the exact same situation, but there are so many parallels that you can take away from this story that you have to realize like, we, we need to stick together and, and the important things are both Political action and protesting. And I'm not saying that either one is wrong or that we have to stop doing either one or that we're doing too much of one or the other right now, just that we have to come together as a unified left because otherwise <laughs> this shit is just going to happen again. They were being dicks when they should have been balls. One ball full of social
1: action, the other ball full of political action coming together to form ropes of freedom. <laughs> but-
0: the worst thing about this episode is how the best metaphor we came up with involves balls.
1: <laughs> the dick of injustice.
0: <laughs> but yeah, a lot of these groups do different stuff. A lot of these groups um, have different ideals. And as you know, time moves on, these groups adapt, change, move. But one of the things that they all have in common, just like the original ones, is that they don't really have anything in common. There is no one Antifa group. There is no Antifa network. There is no big organization of things because by definition, it's not an idea. It's just a way of doing shit. They're not connected. They're not a terrorist organization. Also, you can't call your own people terrorist organizations because it's illegal. And it's what Hitler did like five different times. So maybe back off. I don't know.
2: I mean, Antifa today, what have they possibly done that might characterize them as a terrorist organization?
0: So one of the biggest things about Antifa now, and um, again, this is one of those things where, like, somebody should talk about it that's smarter than I am. But the reason that so many people hate Antifa is because, A, they're linked to communism, and America hates communism, especially the right, because communism is a very liberalist idea and a very far liberal left idea. Well, it's a very
2: scary idea for people that are in power.
0: Yes, especially because it essentially comes with a violent overthrow of democracy, which means that the old leaders may die in the process. And that idea is terrifying if you are one of those leaders. Right. So already they're predisposed to not liking communism secondly because the alt-right is able to learn from mistakes of the past and consistently unify um whether they're now the alt-right or back then the far right they're able to kind of see where this came from so the alt-right was actually ahead of the curve in america when antifa started popping up so what they started doing because it's so easy to just associate yourself with an idea or a method rather than like an actual group of people was they started planning all these hoaxes. So like most recently the biggest Antifa Twitter account or whatever that was like, we're going to go into white neighborhoods and take it back. They found the guy who started it and he is definitively an alt-right Trump supporter who is preaching bullshit. You know, they just like Antifa mostly when it comes into the news it's not real it's other people claiming it and so all of these people are doing this terrible shit in the name of antifa to try to make us hate them because what they're trying to do is the same shit of splitting the left and trying to
2: discredit an organization that is against their motives
0: well it's trying to make the current government look useless because they can't they can't even stop their own people they can't even stop the people on their own side And it makes anyone who is trying to enact change look like a violent thug.
2: I think it's really interesting. I mean, even looking at some of the early news reports we had about some of these protests that are happening right now. And then looking back, I saw one the other day and it was um, the news source said that protesters burned down a Capitol building or something. And then Later they found the guy and he was actually someone from the far right who had come to the protest to incite violence and to cause damage and it had been blamed on the protesters but that story is less widely reported. Yeah, And so there's all these things sort of happening where far right people are coming to these protests making things violent or destroying property and then the protesters are getting blamed and it's undercutting the message of these protests. Not to say that there aren't Other people that are like, fuck the police, tear, you know, fuck up this shit, that is happening, but...
0: I want you to remember that in this story, right after Hitler was elected, a member of the Red Front acted on his own behalf to burn down the Reichstag building. That wasn't a thing that his leaders got him to do, although that's what Hitler wanted everyone to think. It was just a thing that he did because he was so fucking mad and he was... A kid he i mean he was like 17 or something he was so fucking young and so like there are people on both sides being violent but if you go to a protest if you actually show up and 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 check shit out for yourself which should be like i don't know i feel like it should be on everyone's list of priorities to, to if they want to have an opinion about it to like actually go and see it or to like keep yourself educated by watching what's happening so one big thing to take into account when you're learning from this and i'm sorry that i'm kind of ranting at this point but um the news in germany during the nazi regime for obvious reasons was not necessarily reporting on all the terrible stuff that the nazis were doing and they were also kind of trying to spin everything to be about how the other side was the bad guy But this group, uh, Antifa, was spreading news through the underground, through pamphlets, postcards, posters, um, like all this shit. You know, they were basically showing people like, yo, I have proof. I went there. This is what they're doing.
2: Yeah. And they were good posters because they actually got to go to art school. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: And so the modern day equivalent is all of our fucking dumbass relatives who are like, every time I turn on the TV, I see uh, these violent looters and these fucking rioters, and they're destroying property and they're damaging stuff. And there are groups of people going through different channels like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, posting stuff online of sharing actual video evidence of what's going on. Recently, just this week, while I've been writing this stuff, two cops pushed a 70 year old man fucking down on the floor and cracked his goddamn skull open.
2: Then they just walked past him and none of the police gave him any medical attention. They just watched this happen and walked past his body. Yeah.
0: Yeah police officers tried to force a weapon into a man's hand on video where you can see it the cops are forcing this guy to hold a fucking stick and the guy doesn't want to he just holds his fist clenched, and this cop is fucking like punching his fist being like open your hand so i can put this weapon in it so i can fucking shoot you and they caught the whole thing on video i've seen video after video of people getting beaten up all of us have a mutual friend who was pulled over for going five miles over the speed limit. A cop tried to pepper spray them, and it turns out the cop was out of pepper spray. And the cop was <laughs> like, oh, you're fucking lucky I'm out. And it's like, dude, how, one, how much pepper spray are you using that you're fucking out, dude? Come on. And secondly, what what our friend Josh said, and this was perfect, and you can tell he's a comedian because he came with it up right now as he Off goes. Off the dome. He goes, I'm not lucky. That's the universe saving both of us.
2: It's pretty good.
0: And I mean, that's not all that's happening. This week on Tuesday, I went to a protest myself. And at this protest, I watched them with my own eyes. I watched them arrest a black man, beat up and arrest a black man for doing nothing. Um, they arrested this man when me and my friends tried to go and help this guy from getting beaten up. The police officers shoved guns in our face. And I mean, I don't mean in our direction. I mean, I had a fucking gun in my face. As they pushed us back, they tried to block us off on a block to arrest all of us. We kept yelling that we weren't doing anything wrong. A cop hit me in the gut with a fucking baton. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything. None of these people did anything all of us were just trying to protest peacefully and I almost got arrested (laughs) and I got hit in the gut with a fucking baton and then I go home and I'm like wow this day was probably one of the worst days there's no way that this could have happened and everyone could just be okay with it and everything I saw on major media networks is about how violent the protesters are making this I don't know. There's, at this point, again, I'm ranting, but it's 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 really important to not just get your news from non-news sources. And I know that sounds counterproductive, but there are people that are in the streets doing stuff. And of course their view is biased because they're protesting the people. But you can't fight with the fact that there is video evidence of police officers being brutal at a time when we're trying to be like, hey, can you stop being such a brutal piece of shit?
2: I think the biggest difference between Nazi Germany in the 1930s and 40s and right now, we all have a video camera in our pocket. And so when people try to spread propaganda or misinformation and you have video evidence of things happening, you can show that video. You have a way to dismantle this propaganda and these lies, essentially, and whatever spin the media is trying to put on things
0: yeah it's um it sucks and uh everything sucks and I really just want I want I just want change I don't I don't know I want to know what
1: cop thought it was a good idea to hit a 6 foot 5 Mexican
2: yeah okay (laughs) Well, part of it okay. is just making fun of how short they were. All right, yeah. <laughs> Please talk I need you okay. to talk about this. It's very funny. So
0: I I I did a lot of things at the the uh the protests when we came in contact with the cops, not when they were pushing us. When they were pushing us, I wanna be clear, no one was antagonizing them. I wasn't calling them I wasn't calling them names, I wasn't making fun of them, I wasn't doing anything when they were pushing us because I didn't want to get fucking shot, I didn't want to get arrested, and I definitely didn't want to get hit in the fucking stomach with a baton, which you know that they're sharp at the bottom yeah they hurt like a bitch yeah they fucking do and
2: i I keep accidentally bumping it like the worst girlfriend ever and i'm so sorry it's 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 really
0: it's it's very truly not your fault but one of the things that i was doing at the protest was as the cops initially lined up i started to realize that i could see the tops of all of their heads (laughs) And so I started asking them questions. Like, I was like, hey, man, can I ask you a question? They were like, what? And I was like, is it like a requirement for cops to be like under five foot nine or something? <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, uh, an officer pointed uh, um, uh, one of the, the, what's it called? The um, the gas, tear gas. Tear gas, yeah. They pointed one of the tear gas shooters at me and my friend Aaron And uh, the cops started chanting, or the cops started yelling, take it back, which I was like, that's not how being a cop works. You can't just shoot me because I hurt your feelings. (laughs) Take it back. I'm going to tell my mom. The the guy who said, by the way, I want to be clear, the guy who said, take it back, his his superior or whatever the the commanding officer ran over and grabbed him by the collar and took him out of the lot so i i I will say that at least that guy was like take it back and they were like all right johnson you gotta get the fuck out of
2: here the reason that that cop wanted to point tear gas at armando is because he was starting to cry and he needed a cover for his tears
0: (laughs) i'm not crying just Guest Cheerios, guys. Did it have any milk? Oh my god! By the way, just as an aside, I went to a protest with somebody who was like, "Yeah, I brought a bottle of milk," and I was like, "Bro, we're gonna be here for like five hours, and it is ninety-eight yeah. degrees." Then, <laughs> just like Nick Lachey, you didn't bring milk. You brought future cottage cheese. <laughs>
2: Can you please highlight some of the other funny things you said? because it Uh, makes me really happy yeah
0: so so i basically i realized that a lot of the police officers were you know they're stoned face and they're used to hearing all of this shit um and so i started doing some stuff that i don't know i have mixed feelings about now with hindsight uh but my favorite moment and this takes a little bit of explanation but i promise it's worth it Um, as we tried to leave the city, because I want to reiterate this, they did put a curfew on Los Angeles, and the police made it extremely difficult for us to leave so that they could try to arrest us. Getting out of Los Angeles felt kind of like escape from Los Angeles. From Los Angeles. And
2: they're enacting this curfew an hour before the curfew is set to go into motion. And they're doing this all week. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and this was something that I... I heard from a lot of different people and uh, we're all getting texts about the curfew. And then we're, I would see people online who were like, no, they're like, the police are already here. They've already boxed us in. Curfew is hours away. They're announcing it after the police get there. So yeah. that they can stop you from leaving. Yeah,
0: that's exactly yes. what happened. Yeah, It's a dirty tactic. It's a fu- it's a mad dirty tactic. And, and that's the thing that like, I think a lot of people don't understand is that these these curfews are are enacted to both make the public hate us for protesting, and it's meant so that they can basically arrest anyone who opposes the current regime with impunity because now they have a final reason.
2: Which is why the ACLU started suing cities that were enacting curfews, and then...
0: Oh, yeah, and then people (laughs) stopped enacting curfews real fucking quick, didn't they? Yeah, yeah,
2: I was going to say, all of a sudden, mysteriously,
1: we didn't have a curfew the next day, and Here's something also really interesting. Did you notice that when the curfew stopped the looting stopped? Yeah. Wow, crazy. Yeah, I know. I was I was like uh, cuz the first night without curfew I was like, oh, this might be a shit show. And then all of a sudden, no. It was fine because clearly the people protesting and being worried about that curfew and the looters were two fucking different people. They are.
0: And also the the problem with curfew is it creates a rush to get out of the city. But without a curfew, everyone just leaves. They just go home. Yeah, and
2: it's fine.
0: So as we were trying to escape from Los Angeles, um, we we saw a, a car of uh, it was a it's an SUV of police officers and they had all of the police officers are hanging on to the top of it you know they're writing it i saw some of those the other day yeah, yeah. they're writing it military style you know they're writing it like it's into battle and so as we're walking past them uh, us and a group of other protesters and i mean i'm like i'm like f- two three feet away from these fucking assholes right like i can almost smell them and um and and we're holding up signs that say stuff like black lives matter how is the blood on our hands which is a reference to police chief michael moore in the lapd um you know we're holding up all these things and just being like come on man like you gotta be on our side like don't do this and these fucking cops who are hanging on to this thing, they start going like, Ooh, oh, oh, it's so sad. Oh, oh, how is the blood on our hands? Look, there's no blood. Like, they're making fun of us, right? And so, mm-hmm. right as the light turns green and they start driving away, I get as close to them as I possibly can, and I just shout out, hey, my son is going to fuck your daughter. And- <laughs> It was the most Your me your mythical son? What the fuck? My son is gonna fuck your daughter. And I saw every single cop turn around and look at me with a face like, wait, what? And then they just drove (laughs) They just drove away because A, no one's ever said that insult before. I and if they did, good for them. But two, that is the worst fear that I think a racist could have, is that their daughter's going to fall in love with my big dick son.
2: Yeah, our rotisserie chicken children are about to grow up essentially just to fight racism with their tiny little chicken wings, so... yeah.
0: So that was that was probably, I don't know, I felt weird about it when I said it, but just looking at a bunch of cops when you say, my son's going to fuck your daughter, they don't know what that means. They don't know what's happening. Some of them didn't even have a daughter. I, I was going to say, I was like, well, you're like I, I just have a well-behaved shih tzu. <laughs> my son's going to fuck your shih tzu.
2: Okay. <laughs> wow. Back it up. Okay. I'm not into dog crimes. Uh,
0: well... We've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of learning. Um, we're winding down. Uh, this is when the soft music starts playing and I start putting on my sweater and my, uh, my slippers. It's time
2: to leave the cookout. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say, I know that things are kind of rough right now and it feels sometimes very overwhelming because you look at all this stuff happening and you're like, holy shit, I can't stop rubber bullets. Like, what am I supposed to do? How do I make change happen? And I want to say there are a lot of really great resources, and we'll post some in the Cult Podcast Facebook group. But there are a lot of really great resources for actual actionable items that you can do to help make a difference. And it might just be calling your mayor, it might just be writing a letter. But if you do even just one thing a day or one thing a week, you can do it on your lunch break. It's super easy. And it's a way to feel like you're part of something. You know, you can have conversations with people that it's difficult to have conversations with. And that is always free. So is making a phone call
0: definitely also something else that is super free i don't have time to explain it here myself but look in look into what defunding the police and uh uh, abolishing the police actually means it sounds scary it sounds like a lot i promise you that it's not and there are actual plans for example the fucking naacp put out a plan a 40 i think a 45 page plan for police reform in fucking 2016 all right so like this shit isn't new and there is a plan please look into it and research what it means because i promise you it's not as scary as you think it is
1: um so i think for this one i'm gonna say don't drink don't drink. Okay, you got to drink the piss and the cum from the balls. Of
0: <laughs> you got to do it both. The same, it's important to get a little bit of both. I don't know why I'm drinking off two penises. I Does guess that.
1: I mean, that looks more like a cow utter situation, and cows. I mean, that's that's a
0: lady. Mm, cow. Get those milk. freedom out of penis. Milk. Mm, milk. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Milk oh, gross. All over my face. gross! 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 <laughs> gross! Gross!
1: <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say don't drink the Nazi Kool Aid, which you know I think is just spoiled milk out in the oh, sun Oh god <laughs> And and remember that one of the best things for washing off pepper spray is actually a lot of cool water or milk of magnesia
0: Yes and remember and I know this is really hard to hear especially right now and and a lot of us don't want to hear this and 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 I'm sorry but it definitely needs to be said my son is going to fuck your daughter <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, take that, you fucking coward!
1: <laughs> Jesus, okay, okay. See, now you're antagonizing. Okay. All right,
0: yeah, that's fair.
1: If Looking forward seven to seven
0: piece of shit. It,
1: it was fine when people were using construction adhesive to like glue bricks into the streets so they couldn't drive, but that's a step <laughs> too far.
2: Looking forward to the Torres wedding in 2050. <laughs> oh man. I feel like cops
1: are going to break that one up immediately. (laughs) (laughs) And don't drink the Kool-Aid.
0: Bye.